Hello and welcome to Film Cincinnati's Masterclass Podcast, produced by Film Cincinnati, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to attracting, promoting, and cultivating film, television, and commercial production throughout Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. I'm your host, Betsy Ross, and in this edition, we talk with producer Gwen Bialik, a New York-based film and television production manager and producer. Her projects include the Cincinnati shot movie Carol, Be Kind Rewind, The Messenger, and the HBO series High Maintenance. She was in Cincinnati recently for a Women in Film and Film Cincinnati panel, and in our master class, she talks about how she got started in the business and her advice for others who want to get into film. Gwen, thanks so much for being here with us. Um, I want to start by really kind of talking about uh, what you've been doing since Carol. We know you from when you were here working on Carol production. Have you been back to Cincinnati since Carol? Um, I came back for the premiere um, with my mother, um, which was great. I mean, it was a, um, it was a, it was great to be back in the city and see the city like turn out so much to receive the movie. Um, I mean, like crew people were there. Um, but like just the city in general seemed to just, I mean, there were a lot of people at, at that event. And, um, and the thing that was really kind of remarkable about it was how many people, um, people I didn't know necessarily who came up and um, really like sought me out very specifically and were just like I just wanted to tell you how much this meant to the city how much this meant to me you know like how much this meant to my cousin my son my you know whoever it was that was like involved in some way um, but how they really like brought it back to like Cincinnati um, because, I mean, it really was, I mean, I felt that so much when we were here making it. Like, we were just so embraced by the city um, and made it made it possible. It was a really, really ambitious project. And it couldn't have, it just couldn't have happened without that kind of reception. And talk a little bit about the, the production side of Carol and... Uh, some of the challenges you face, some of the maybe uh, unexpected surprises, good surprises yeah. uh, that came about yeah. during uh, the shooting of the movie here. Um, you know, it, so it's a period movie um, that's supposed to be 1952, New York City, specifically like around Times Square, the New York Times. Um, but it's also a road trip movie, um, which created, you know, with a whole host of production challenges where you do this now in, you know, 2014 or 15. We haven't figured out which it was yet. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and the, the road trip is supposed to go from New York sort of through the Midwest all the way to Chicago. And there's a big, like, Chicago, the Drake Hotel thing. Um, so that in and of itself was like, huh. Where are we going to do this? Um, and and then, you know, because of the period part, putting all of the extras, I mean, not just the cast, but all of the extras that you need, they have to have the right haircut, 
you know, they have, and you have to maintain that haircut. They have to have the right makeup that's period specific. I mean, I learned stuff about hair that I had no idea of before. Um, you know, that women actually wore their hair very short in the 50s. Um, so a lot of our extras had to actually cut their, a lot of the women had to cut their hair and then maintain, then then get done up. Um, but then maintain that haircut all the way through for the seven weeks that we shot. Um, and then get fitted for the wardrobe, which had to be basically pre-rented in Los Angeles. I mean, we couldn't even get it from New York. It had to come from L.A. Before we even had people to fit, they had to just get a whole bunch and ship it here and then sort of retrofit everybody um, to, like, picture cars. Um, you know, New York or other cities, there's picture car companies that you can be like, I need 15 cars from 1952, you know, that doesn't exist or didn't exist. I mean, maybe it exists now, but it didn't exist then. Um, and so we, we, with those various production challenges, on top of the location challenges, um, we had to basically build a extras casting system and a picture car system um and you know and then also i mean we cast a lot of the day players locally um lynn myers did an unbelievable job with that i i mean we i think we only brought in about five day players from new york um which is remarkable that we could find that much talent. Well, in that's a good thing for your budget too. It was huge. It was like we. It was very, very important. It's very expensive to bring people in. Um. So, those. I mean, those were some of the challenges. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and it. I, the, the, I mean, the locations were. It was so shocking how well Cincinnati suited what we needed to do. Um, and the areas around it too. I mean, it was just remarkable. Um, I, I mean, I've just never experienced anything like that. The, the locate—I mean, the locations were just perfect. What's the difference in the film industry now here than when you were here shooting Carol? Yeah, I mean, it's—I uh, mean, it's—I don't want to say it's night and day, but it's—it's it's a huge difference. Um, when we came here. I mean, there, I, I think there was another sort of smaller movie that was here before us um, relatively recently, but I, I feel like we were sort of the, one of the first bigger movies that had come through in many, many years, and um, which, you know, also helped explain the embrace, basically, um, of us. Which it's something that was really notable because in place you know in New York, people just want you to go away. <laughs> I mean, they're just sick of it. Um, but this was like there was a real excitement and you know embraced by the city. I mean, everything from like the cops to the DOT to the mayor to the you know the Queen City Club. You know, just every sort of organization. Um, but it was there was a newness to it. It was like an excitement, like this is a new thing. And I think coming back now, what I'm noticing is that now it is 
I mean, it's established. Now it's sort of like this is something that we do in Cincinnati and we do it really well. This is what we have to offer. These Here's all of the movies that have been here since mm-hmm. Carol. I mean, I feel like there's got to be like 20 movies that at least um, that have shot here since then. Um, and every time, with every movie, all of those systems get built up and tightened up over time and just people get more experience and they just one more project that they've done and they just get better at what they're doing um, and learn more and then there's more of a hunger and there's more of support and then the vendors become built up you know then there's a company that is like oh I can supply all of the clothes I can be someone who supplies picture cars I can be someone who my salon or you know whatever is required for that particular movie Um, and I feel like now just at the event the number of people who identify as working full time in film there were a number of people whose hands went up Um, that was not the case when we were here before Um, students I think since we've since I've been here, there's I think Cincinnati started a film program after we left. Um, so there were a bunch of students at the event um, who seem to be popping up, people who teach there as well. Um, and, and, you know, I would say companies and vendors that are also very interested in um, the revenue that these things bring in. Um, so it now feels like since instead of Cincinnati being like this special place that no one's discovered yet and we're going to just tap into this unknown resource, you know, now it is, I mean, it is well on its way to being like a full-on production city if it's not already. The, the many production roles that you have had both in movies and in television, what is it that you get a kick out of? What is it that really sparks your imagination and inspires you to stay in this business, in the production role? That's such a good question, and you'd be amazed how few people ask that question. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's a couple of different answers to that. Like, I love doing crossword puzzles, for example. And the, films and television, I mean, production is very much like a crossword puzzle. Um, And that is deeply, deeply satisfying to sort of untangle the mystery of what the particular project is, and it's always different. There isn't one way of doing things. Um, And figuring out, uh, cracking the code, basically. Um, And what's sort of related to that is um, where the people that you're doing that with or where you're doing it, like whether it's New York or, you know, uh, India or Cincinnati or Baltimore or wherever it is, um, you're, you have a different group of people that you're cracking the code with in a different environment. Um, <clears throat> and you can't separate that from... what I don't think you can separate it from what the movie is. I mean... People do, movies do, you know, um, giant studio movies can just sort of plop down like from outer space into a 
location and just bring everything in and all of the stuff and all of the people and just shoot it, sort of gobble up whatever is there and then out, you know. Um, But I feel like that is an approach that just misses the point entirely of why you go to a location is to get those special things that you can't just get by building it on a stage. You might as well just build it someplace on a, you know, a sound stage. Um, And those things really inform, um, you know, how you shoot that and with the people that you shoot those things with really inform the content and the final product, I think, and can take you in unexpected directions um, and open things up that you wouldn't have known or thought about or seen before. Um, and that's really exciting. I mean, it literally uh, is the metaphor of like walking down the street and turning the corner and being like, wow, I didn't know this was here. <laughs> and like what that can spark and open up. Um, that's really, really satisfying. When you started in the business, uh, high art? <laughs> yes, that was that was the first movie that I worked on in New York. Yeah. How has the business changed from then to now? Um, God, in so many ways. I mean, High Art was a non-union movie, first of all. Um, it was sort of coming at a time in New York. I mean, it's part of why I moved to New it, Well, that movie is why I moved to New York, because I had a job on it, and I knew some of the people, and it was like a great entree in. But it was a time in New York that um, independent film as we sort of know it and understand it now was just exploding. Um, and there were so many projects around from that were really sort of like organically grown um, either at like Columbia or Tisch or even just like performers and writers and random you could be coming from a number of different disciplines. And the because the money wasn't so big yet, um, you could have a couple of million dollars. You didn't have to... There, were, there was enough of a talent pool that you could... You did the same um, power that they have now. Um, so you really could just kind of like cobble something together um, and get a pretty good crew base and then and then there were all these avenues like Sundance this is sort of Sundance's heyday and you could like go to these festivals and sell it um so there was like this sort of developed um that was very attractive to me um those were the movies that I liked to see um those were the things I was interested in doing so um it was like a, and it was a real moment in time. I mean, now, part of what really changed was the tax credit in New York. That tax credit just flipped the, the game entirely. Um, and just all of a sudden, like, the volume just, like, exploded um, with film, different sizes of films, um, but also television. Um, and that really, really changed the game. And as that production started to explode, like trying to do things non-union became much more difficult in New York, which actually 
I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because what that did was really professionalize um, that whole uh, group of people and that whole approach and like built it, it became a self-sustaining system because now you could get a job on a film in a one position um, you could get jobs after that build up your resume join the union and still be able to live in New York because now you could afford to live in New York. You could actually afford the rent. You could actually afford to, like, if you wanted to start a family, if you wanted to send your kids to school, if, you know, there were ways then that it became not this just sort of, like, passion project that you, like, just threw your life into and, like, killed yourself for a couple of months and then went back to your day job of whatever it was. And that makes people better at their jobs. They get more experience, you know, they can now see a future where, oh, I can be a key grip all the time. I can become really good at this and learn how to do this and employ other people in my department and like really make a career and a life. That is, I think, probably the biggest difference. And I think it's, really, it's been really good for the city of New York too, which is obviously has a problem keeping and maintaining middle-class jobs. Um, but now, like, it is the way that those jobs and those people can stay in the city. And you talk about the tax credit. How important is tax credits for a place like Ohio, for a film since I mean, it, it's huge. I'm not someone, though, that thinks that tax credits are always good in every place. Um, we were just talking about um, Michigan's tax credit, for example, when that was, you know, that was a big deal. It was like a 44% rebate um, on everything. Um, and it was, it, it was badly designed. Um, for filmmakers, you know, we were like, wow, amazing, let's go to Michigan. But it, it wasn't set up and maintained in a way that actually benefited any of the people in the state. And it really just did become this big, like, corporate giveaway. Um, and it never, you, you couldn't employ people because they didn't have any experience on working on movies. Um, so there was no crew base there. There was no talent base there. There was no infrastructure. Um, you know, there was no camera house or grip house or... Um, I don't even think they were cater. They never even developed like caterers, basically, or even extras. You know, so those projects, you again, you just imported everything. You came in, you gobbled up everything you could gobble up, and then you get your belly full, and then you leave. And everyone is just like, "What just happened? The Avengers was just here, great, I guess, but it wasn't, and it never, it never." built into anything and it really was that kind of a program I think gave tax credits a bad name and I think rightfully so you know and so there are a lot of places that it just was a corporate giveaway in a really gross way um, Iowa had a similar problem in most states but when you do it right um, it is an incredible engine for um, just not only economic development for the people involved 
for the crew and whoever else is involved in making the movies, but for the city as a whole. Because it, they're, it's, a, it's a collaborative, community-based system. You know, like it, you can't, it's, it, it involves, you know, you can't make a movie in a city without, the cops are going to be involved. You have to close down some streets. You have to, you know, change the street lights and um, you have to get it permitted. And so it, there's, a, there's an organic, like, community relationship with movies in the city. And if, you, if it's set up correctly and managed correctly, then it can grow and then it can really become, you know, um, a, an engine that can just like pump blood into the heart of a city and just like make it, you know, just a, a, a wonderful place and a place that people want to come to and, and, and live and not have to go to New York or LA to start a career in the business. So I want to be a producer. I think it's really cool. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really cool, and I want to sit in one of those chairs, and I want to make movies. Mm -hmm. So if I have that ambition, how do I get started? What do I study? Do I just start working on films? What path can you suggest that young filmmakers and young people who want to get into the business, what can you suggest that they do? to be able to get into filmmaking? That's tricky because, I mean, I, I, I also really think that just like a broad liberal arts education is like pretty much the most important. Like you need to follow the news every day and read the newspaper and know what's going on in your city Amen. and know what's going on in the world and like be connected to politics and, and just general life you know so I don't I don't know that I think narrowly like just going to film school for example it's kind of like you can go to film school but you could also study history or you could you know study music or you could you know be a I don't know study elephants or you know whatever is interesting to you that gets your the mind going and thinking um, and turns you on in some way is important, you know, because you can't really, there is no, there is no path to be like, you can take these classes and get this degree and you can be a, it just doesn't work that way. It's just not true. So I'm not a big proponent of like film school and do this and follow up. I just don't think it really works that way. I think that at whatever point you're out of school or but even if you don't go to school or you just want to work, you get a job and you get a job on a film or on a TV show or write something yourself and shoot it on your iPhone and post it on the web. I mean, you know, there are, those are the ways to do it. I mean, there are economic parts of all of this that make it a little bit tricky also because it can be this like self-selecting group of people who can actually afford to get a job where they're they're not making that much money and like sustain that and put that amount of effort and time in to actually climb up the ladder um, which is a problem in the business you know because then you just get one type of person who can do that and that directly affects the kind of stories that you get to see. And I think we're seeing the fruits of that now with, like, 
why are there so few, you know, black filmmakers and women filmmakers and, you know, Asian American filmmakers, you know, all of that. And I think people are starting to realize, like, that's a function of how the business has been set up. We, as a, as a business model, it's, it can be really exclusionary and kind of, like, class-defining like that. And it's, that's a real problem. But at the same time, you probably can make, if, you, if you're in a city that is making enough product that creates enough jobs, you can probably get a job doing any number of things on a film that can sustain you long enough to, you know, and then you can bartend at night or you can do something on your off days, you know, to supplement that a little bit. You have to work your ass off, but if you work seven days a week and 18 hours a day, you can probably do it. Um, and you do it long enough that you can actually get something under your belt. You meet the right people because it's also a people-based. Um, I've never gotten a job from sending out my resume or, I mean, it, I, I've never had an agent. Like, it really is just like, Kristen over here has, she says you're pretty cool. What's going on? How about this? You know, it, it works very much like that. And, I mean, even in New York, even now, it still works like that at a, at a higher level, but it's the sa- it is literally the same thing. So you just meet people, and you're just around, and you just hustle, and you don't complain, you know, about what you're doing because it's ultimately a selfish act that you're doing. You're just you're just trying to get experience and you're going to do everything and you're just going to pay attention and then hopefully you see somewhere in there a path for you. But there's just there's just so many different ways how that path. I mean, you might find the path it's entirely possible you work on a couple of film sets and you're like, "You know what I could really do well is craft service." You know? I to have this access to this kitchen and I know a bunch of people and I love to cook and I could really see and you know, I could like maybe get a truck and I mean there's just a hundred different ways to get in there but you know you have to figure that out for yourself and so I think the only way that you can figure that out for yourself is if you spend your time in school or however you're building your brain to be able to see those opportunities for yourself. So with all the uh, puzzles that you have to solve and the uh, tangles that you have to untangle and the seven-day-a-week and the overnight hours, you still love it? Yes. Um, right now I work on a show that I love. Passionately about this show as I felt about Carol, and those are the two big projects, I think, in my career that I've had the most excitement about. It's a TV show. It's called High Maintenance. It's on HBO. Uh, we're prepping our fourth season right now, and it is... It's all of those things that I was just talking about that I love about um, the process of filmmaking. I love the people that I work with. I love how much it's about the city. Um, I like making it in the city in a really sort of hands-on way. The city just opens up all the time. Just like amazingly wonderful people and like places that I didn't know about and it's 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 very energizing and I and I love the pro- love the product that we're able to put out in the world you know it's like a humanist love letter to New York basically and that gets me really excited and along the same lines this 
high maintenance is a show that could really happen in any city in the world, really. It's sort of like a meta filmmaking experience, you know, like it could happen in Cincinnati. There is, it's just about like, what is the vibe of your city? Who are the people that make up the city? And what are their, what are they doing? Who are they? And uh, I don't know. It's, that's really fun. I like that part of it a lot. Thanks for joining us for Film Cincinnati's Masterclass. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can continue to hear from the professionals active today in the TV and film business. Film Cincinnati's Masterclass is produced by Film Cincinnati, Kristen Schlottman, Executive Director. I'm Betsy Ross, and to learn more about how you can contribute to the mission of Film Cincinnati, visit filmcincinnati.com.